0: The sun is down and the stars are out. Everyone turn up your volume and turn down your lights. The twilight beacon begins transmitting now. Jedediah D. Blackwell here, coming to you from the Twilight Beacon here in the American Southwest. Tonight, we bring you another sci Friday episode of the Twilight Beacon with two chilling stories of science fiction. Our first story tonight is The Outer Limit, as aired on Suspense, March 17, 1957. This recording includes an almost poetic introduction by William N. Robeson, longtime producer of Suspense. Robeson produced over a dozen radio programs, and worked for the Office of Emergency Management during World War II, producing public information broadcasts. Robeson had a budding career as a screenwriter after the war, but he was caught up in the post-war Red Scare and accused of communist sympathies. Even though these accusations were very questionable, he had a hard time finding work as a screenwriter and was forced to write under a pseudonym at times. This production of The Outer Limit stars Frank Lovejoy, a well-known actor in his day. Lovejoy was the voice of a wide range of characters, appearing in a variety of programs, from the crime-themed gangbusters to soap operas like Valiant Lady, and even as the title character in the superhero show Blue Beetle. Lovejoy went on to appear in dozens of Hollywood films, sharing the screen with legends like Joan Crawford and James Stewart. The Outer Limit is a story of early space exploration with a tense and surprising plot. A test pilot disappears during a dangerous mission and is presumed dead, but returns safely long after expected. With his miraculous survival, he brings back an ominous message, sent to Earth from a shocking source. And now, we present The Outer Limit, as heard on suspense in March of 1957.
1: Sus. And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N.
2: Robeson. Man proposes, but God disposes. Always, always the question yet to be solved, the horizon yet to be reached, beyond which ever and ever there are further horizons and never the answer to the question. Was the wealth of the distant Indies lying beyond the curve of the earth the answer to the Spain of Ferdinand and Isabella? Was Sutter's gold lying beyond the high and forbidding western mountains the answer to the America of a hundred years ago? Is the shiny electronic basketball, the soon-to-be-launched satellite, the answer to mid-century man who proposes without consulting him who disposes? We do not know, nor do we presume to guess. But we do make so bold as to give you pause for thought. Listen, then. Listen. As Frank Lovejoy stars in The Outer Limit, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Zero minus 25. Zero minus
3: 25.
4: All right, men, settle down. Now let's settle down. You too, Bill. That book you're reading, put it away. Anything you say, Colonel. No doubt you're wondering why we got you out of whatever warm beds you were in. Well, we've got a reason, a very good reason. This morning, we take the wraps off the RX-3. Now, most of you have heard scuttlebutt that she's been modified. Well, she has. She's powered by eight rockets now. That's what I said, eight rockets. Designed to take man into areas of space that have never been explored before. And at a rate of speed to which no pilot has as yet been subjected. Now, Bill Westfall is going to take her up this morning as far and as fast as she can go. Joe? Yes, ma'am. You'll lead the 102s. You and your wingmen will be Bill's chase planes. We want observation at 40,000 feet. Yes, sir. Okay, here's how it plays. Pull the curtains on the map, Sergeant. Yes, Now, you see it's circled here. Your rendezvous point we designated as point X. Zero hour is 0900. Joe, you and your red tails will take off at zero minus 15. Have you got that? Yes, sir. You'll make conventional climbs to 35,000 feet, rendezvous at point X. Call into me at control at 40,000 feet. Right, Joe? That's it, Colonel. Well, not quite. Now let's take a look at the weather. Feet.
5: Yes, sir. Uh, the weather is very pretty out, boys. All clear, ceiling unlimited. Uh, wind's aloft at 10,000, 80 miles per hour at 165
4: degrees. At 25,000... feet, aud- Major Westfall.
6: Yes, Colonel.
4: This is primarily for you. Now, no,
6: don't fret, Hank. I'm getting
4: a- I just wanted to make sure, Bill. Go ahead, Pete.
5: Uh, ground temperature is 60, estimated at 45 below at 40,000 feet. And we expect no change for three hours. That's it, sir. Thank you.
4: Okay, Joe, you and your boys go unwrap your 102s and have a nice time. <laughs> oh, Bill, stick around. I want to talk. How are you feeling, Bill? I feel real good. How are you feeling? Well, what about Molly
6: and the kids? Are you worried, Hank? Don't worry. Well, me. I just want to know just how they are, that's all. Well, an hour ago, Molly wiped her hands on her apron, kissed me goodbye, and the twins want to be firemen this morning.
3: Zero minus 20. Now, what are you... Zero having? minus okay, 20. Okay. Look,
6: Hank, I've flown it a dozen
4: times before. I know, but never for this speed and never for this altitude and never with eight rockets. The engineers are hitting you could break out of the
6: stratosphere in this plane. Yeah, no, I heard you. Now, get it out of your head. This is just routine. Well, look, Hank, I've studied the blueprints. I know them like a prayer. My brain is crammed with detailed specifications, estimated performances, and I know all the safety devices to keep me alive. You happy? All right, come on, let's go. Let's get out of here. All right. I- I've got to say it,
4: Bill. You know it better than I do, but I've got to say it anyhow. All right, you be a commanding officer, Hank. You know,
6: you go ahead and tell me.
4: Keep your throttles uniform or you'll wind up against the mountains. Yeah. Retract landing gear as soon as you're airborne. Maneuver for maximum rate of climb and a heading of 87 degrees, which should bring you to 40,000 in less than two minutes using Jado, approximately one mile north of Rendezvous Point. Uh-huh. From there on, you'll be on rockets. Uh huh.
3: Zero minus 17. we well, Zero ahead,
4: minus you're 17. Oh, Bill. Come on outside. Let's go to the hangar. Bill. Yeah. You've got ten minutes of rocket fuel. Now, get rid of those Jado bottles before you fire the rockets. Fire, fire only, only one rocket. rocket at a time. Oh. Uh.
6: <laughs> now, I think you did just fine. I'm going to fly that baby higher and faster than anybody ever did before, just like yourself. I'm going to take it up and bring it back. And then you come home and have dinner with me, huh? Yeah, sure, I'd like to. There she is, Bill. Yeah. She's real pretty, isn't she? I'll be
4: listening in at control. I won't bother you until you're airborne. It'll be between you and the tower until then. See you later. Good luck.
3: Zero minus
4: three. Zero minus three. Good morning, Colonel. Oh, Mr. Hargrove, you'll be here at control with me? It's all right with you, Colonel. Well, I wouldn't have it any other way. You check the communications equipment, Sergeant?
5: Yes, sir. Major Westfall has been assigned a special radio frequency of 3970... Good, good,
4: good. You'll take good care of it, Sergeant. We don't want it to poop out or anything like that, do we, Sergeant? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. Well, no, sir, sir. Hargrove, I've, uh, I've got a thing on my mind. That boy in the plane you geniuses designed he's my best boy.
6: It's our best plane, Colonel. It
4: better be. Well, now it's your turn. What have you got on your mind?
6: Everything's in proper order, Colonel. The electronic brain, the recording equipment, the television cameras in the cockpit, everything. Every known scientific device, even some unknown. They've been... We're talking about a
4: man. That's all I really want to get back out of this. What about the man?
6: There may be one difficulty.
4: Well, tell me about it. I'd like to know.
6: The takeoff with all that load, the jets, the rockets, all at maximum fuel capacity. It's never been tested that way before. Go on, Mr. Hargrove. It's just that Major Westfall has only 10,000 feet to get his ship airborne. If he accelerates from zero to 300 knots in 10,000 feet, he should be airborne in less than seven seconds. Seven seconds. That makes it zero plus G. Yes, Colonel. Beyond zero plus G, beyond that, we
7: don't know. We just don't know.
4: Oh, thank you. Thank you uh, for everything, Mr. Hargrove. Sergeant, flip your switch on Major Westfall. I hear he's got a swell program. Flip them all,
6: Sergeant. Yes, From RX-3, any change in weather? RX-3 from tower, barometer reading 29.7. Set your altimeter accordingly. Roger.
8: Wind 15 miles from south. Zero minus
6: 130. Zero minus 130. Seven, got
4: it. Control from RX-3, over. Control to RX-3, go ahead.
6: Control to RX-3, this is uh, just for you, Hank. Cabin pressure... Okay. Oxygen pressure, okay. Hydraulic flight control, okay. Fuel pressure, safety lock. All but...
4: right, all right, all right. Get off the dime, kid.
6: <laughs> Take a mill Zero minus one. Zero minus Pucci one. Archie from RX-3, over. Go ahead, RX-3. I am ready to fire. Hold it. Okay. All set to fire. Clear? Clear. Starting starboard jet... Starting port jet.
8: Zero minus 30 seconds. RX 3 from tower.
6: Come in, tower.
8: Western Airlines Flight 303 reported over San Jose southbound. Navy interceptor on home leg at San Diego. United Airlines eastbound 4010 at 18,000 over Salt Lake City. No other aircraft aloft in the area.
3: Zero minus Ready. 11. Tower Ten. from RX 3. Nine. Ready for takeoff. Eight. RX 3 from tower. Seven we clear to take off Six, on runway two seventy five. Five. Good luck. Four. Three. Two. One. Zero. B. C. D. E.
8: F. They'll lift it. Lift it. Eight. They made it. We'll they made it. Mr. a hard
6: RX3, control from RX3.
4: This is control. Go ahead, Bill.
6: Everything's great, Hank. She's a doll, baby.
4: You were kidding with that takeoff, weren't you? It
6: took that long to get it off. That makes it a takeoff, Hank.
4: How fast are you climbing?
6: Airspeed 690, approaching Mach 1. She's buffeting some. Bad. I'm still flying her. Hank. Hank. Yes, Bill. I just went through Mach 1. The speed of sound, straight up. She shake bad? Not a shudder. Boss Waste is a big help. She's a doll baby, Hank, a living doll baby. How do you feel? I like it here.
4: Control from Redtail 1. Control from Redtail 1. Go ahead, Redtail.
9: RX3 over rendezvous Point at 50,000. He's ready to turn, Colonel.
4: On schedule, Joe? On schedule.
6: Control from RX-3 Control from RX-3 Go ahead, Bill 55,000, Hank Still a doll, baby Still is Hank, can you hear me okay?
8: You're coming in clear, Bill
6: Rocket system primed Dropping right jet Dropping left jet All clear Good luck, Bill Firing number one rocket. Fired. Haking back. Firing number two rocket. Fired. Hey, Hank. Yes, Bill, what is it? Bill?
4: Bill, are you receiving me? RX-3 from control, come in. Come in, RX-3. Hello, Bill, come in. Red tail leader from control, red tail leader from control, come in, red tail. What about it, Joe?
9: RX three overhead at approximately seventy thousand feet, maintaining a heading of north-northwest. I can barely make him, Colonel.
4: Try calling.
9: Roger. RX three from Redtail Leader. RX three from Redtail Leader. Come in, RX three. Yes, Colonel.
4: Come in. Share it with me, Mr. Hargrove. Come in. Sit here and run your fingers through your hair and wait and think about it and share it with me.
6: Control from Redtail Leader.
4: Go ahead, Redtail.
6: We've lost him, Colonel.
4: Stay up there, Joe, as long as you can.
6: What do we do now, Colonel?
4: I just told you, Mr. Hargrove, we wait. You and me. We wait.
6: We've lost you, Colonel. You haven't lost me, Joe. I can hear you.
3: Stay up
8: there, Joe, as long as you can. Hello?
6: Hello? Hello, Joe. I will try another frequency. Red tail from RX-3. Can you make me? Red tail from RX-3. Can you make me? I still can't get you, Joe. I will keep sending. Firing number seven rocket. Fired. Firing number eight, Rock. Fired. Oh, brother! This is RX-3 broadcasting to whom it may concern, to all you people. This is Bill Westfall approaching 210,000 feet at four times the speed of sound. 210,000 feet, that's 40 miles straight up in the air to all you people. And that's where I am. You never saw anything like it. No clouds, and a color no one ever named before. Otherwise, there's nothing. There's, there's no sound except my instruments. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Wait a minute. The, there is some something at two o'clock high. Really, something, brother. And it, it's not a flying saucer either. This one's egg-shaped. It's huge. It, it's spinning like a top, and it's coming toward me. Can you hear me? Can, can you hear me? Listen. Listen, something has just happened. Something, a missile, something, a, a, a shot. Maybe through, through my canopy. The pressure is going down. Something is happening to me. That egg-shaped thing I'm being pulled toward it. I have lost um, all of the ship. I have no control. I am going to be the pressure.
1: In a moment we continue with Suspense And now We continue with The Outer Limit, starring Mr. Frank Lovejoy, a tale well-calculated to keep you in suspense. We've waited
6: a long time, Colonel. Well, we'll wait some more. But there's no point to it. May I make a suggestion, Colonel? What? Give it up. Make your report to Washington. What about you, Hargrove? To be frank with you, Colonel, in another 16 months, there'll be another plane, the RX-4, and the Air Force will give us another man to fly it
4: until we're certain about this man, and we're not certain.
6: What do you propose to do?
4: The things that are in the manual. We'll organize search parties. We'll put spotter planes up in the air. Maybe Bill came down in the ocean. We'll call the Navy. Colonel...
6: If the RX-3 came down on the ocean, it would sink in five minutes. It had no life preserver equipment on it. The added weight... We'll call
4: the Navy in, Mr. Hargrove. Whatever you say, Colonel, but my guess is... What's your guess, Hargrove? My guess
6: is that sometime, somewhere, on some beach or in some field, someone will pick up a ball of cooled metal. That someone will be holding what's left of the RX-3.
10: now what I am saying to you.
6: Yes. Yes, I hear you. I I understand.
9: Proceed, eglon
10: We have established communication with him, Commander, on frequency X-29.
9: Good. Proceed as ordered.
10: Yes, Commander. Earthman, your brain is in turmoil, is it not? It has great difficulty in accepting what you see.
6: Yeah, that's right.
10: Accept it.
9: What you see here
6: exists. This... this exists?
9: It exists, Earthling. The spaceship you're on exists. Those jet dynamos you see before you exist. Jet dynamos driven by the harness power of a thousand suns. Listen, Earthman. Listen to them. Do you know what happened as you listened, Earthman? We have flung ourselves 10,000 miles into space. What do you say to that, Earthman?
6: I don't know what to say.
9: It is beyond the conception of your Earth brain. Then conceive this. Try to move, Earthman. You're not bound in any way. Try to move. Don't strain. It's impossible for you to move. There is a screen of force aimed at you. Now you may move about, Earthling. Proceed, Zeglon.
10: Yes, Commander. Earthman, I perceive that your intellect now accepts the fact you are aboard Space Patrol Ship S2J3. I am Captain Zeglon of the Galactic Guard.
6: Galactic Galactic Guard?
10: The Guardian of the Galaxy. The Guardian of the Universes. The instrument the Brotherhood of Worlds has set up in defense against such a world as yours. What puzzles you earth, man?
6: I, I can't see you. I, I can feel that you're here, but I, I can't see you.
10: There is no necessity for you to see us. It is sufficient that we communicate with each other.
6: But talking to you is like... Well, it's not like talking. It's... It's as if it is all happening inside my brain.
10: It is. That is how I'm reaching you. Not through your ears, but inside your brain. Do you remember what happened to you before you blacked out?
6: I think so, that... There was a sharp sound, like a bullet hitting the canopy.
10: It was not a bullet. It was a ray. It was necessary to stop your flight. We have so much to tell you.
6: Well, first, tell me about my ship. Is it lost?
10: No. It is being repaired. It will be returned to you. And you will return to Earth because you are the Earth's only hope of survival. Hope
6: of survival? What do you, what do you mean?
10: I will show you. <laughs> What you see before you is a panorama of your own universe, far greater in scope than any earthman has ever seen before. Observe. Observe where the line is pointing. Star 5, Galaxy C, Sector K.
6: Is that the Earth?
10: That dot, that speck you see revolving in the vastness, is your sun, a star whose surface is 12,000 times that of your Earth. Your Earth is not even visible here.
6: Huh? How did you know we even exist?
10: That was our problem. We first became aware of your planet when we found atomic dust containing strontium-90 in the upper atmosphere. We traced it to your Earth.
6: It was that important to you?
10: Quite. We determined that you are setting off thermonuclear explosions. That's why the Galactic Council has quarantined you.
6: Quarantine. I I don't understand. How? How are we quarantined?
10: We have sealed off your planet from the rest of space. We have surrounded it with a force screen. When that screen has accumulated enough particles of atomic dust, your Earth will explode.
9: Listen to me, Earthman. Listen. We have had our own wars, wars that almost destroyed our civilization. Now we have outlawed war throughout space. And we have outlawed your world. If there is another thermonuclear explosion, you will destroy yourselves. Take this back to your planet. Warn them, Earthman. Release him, Zeglon.
10: Yes, Commander.
9: Earthman, you will
10: open that door. There is your ship. Get into it, Earthling. Are you ready, Earthling? Yes, I'm ready. You will be propelled into space. Close your canopy. Open aperture.
11: Warn them, Earthman. man. Warn them. Fire!
6: RX3, Come in, tower. Come in,
8: tower. Tower to funny, man. Are you loaded, kid? How did you get in on this frequency? Listen,
6: this is RX-3. RX-3 coming in for landing. Give me landing instructions.
8: Tower to funny, man. Impossible to R RX-3. Now get away from the area. The area cleared for interceptor practice approaches.
6: Tower, this is Major Westfall in RX-3. Now come on. Give me landing instructions. I am fresh out of rocket juice.
8: Yeah. O- okay, Major. In just a minute... Uh, Tower to all aircraft in the base area. Tower to all aircraft in the base area. We have an emergency. All aircraft hold present altitude and proceed on a course of 180 degrees until advised. Radio silence will be maintained until the emergency is over. Okay, RX-3, go ahead.
6: I approximate my position 20 miles north of field at 10,000. Estimate six minutes to land.
8: RX-3 from tower. You are cleared to land. Runway 9, wind east-southeast 15. Roger, coming down.
6: Hello, Hank. Give me a hand.
8: Phil! Phil,
6: what? Just help me off this plane, will you? Yeah. Phil, what Hank, happened? Hank, now listen, you, you won't believe it, but you've got to. Before I tell you anything, you've got to promise to believe me. You just, you've got to. Look, what did you run oh, Before to... anything, Hank. Now, now promise me we better have you looked over, kid. No, no, I'll be all right. Now, just listen to me, Hank. Hank, they said the Earth would explode. They said it was the end for us. They said that?
4: no come on, let's get over to no, my you, office. You don't believe it. Read it like an order, Bill. My office. What, uh, they,
6: what, uh, they are you talking about? Hank, I chased me a spaceship, and I caught it, or rather, it caught me. I was cruising nicely, about 200,000 feet. That's where I spotted it. Hank, Hank... Oh, uh, kid, you don't have no, to No, no, g- I've got to tell you. They said I had to tell you. Well, don't you understand, Hank? I saw this thing. I saw it coming at me. I thought it was going to be the biggest smash, and... It, it wasn't. I, I came too Inside their ship, Hank. Hank, Hank, I need a drink. An office
4: tall drink. Well, that can wait, too. I... I want Major Donaldson to look at you. A
6: psychiatrist? Well, what for? To test my jerks? Yes. Uh, has yeah, something like that. Well, that's the story, Major Donaldson Hank Hank, you believe it, don't you? Just
4: keep lying down there,
3: Bill Major, what do you think? Oh, I'm not sure Now, Bill, these men from Mars I didn't
6: say they were men from Mars Now, did you hear me say that they were men from Mars?
3: No, 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 you didn't
6: All I'm trying to tell you is this Whoever those people were, they know all about us, everything, about our wars, about our big bombs. They've got us, they have got us quarantined. Quarantined? Yes, quarantined. They've sealed us off from the rest of space. We have wars. We're sick, and we're going to die. They've seen to it that we will die. Well, go ahead, Bill. Well, there's nothing more to go ahead with. Another H-bomb, and that's all. One more bomb and we're going to have the juiciest galactic 4th of July of all time explode. Like that. How do you like it? All right, Bill. Roll up your sleeves. Now, just forget it, Major. All I need is a couple of drinks. Sorry, Bill. Not right now. Let the Major give you a hypo. Uh, Hank, I've got a drink coming. A a lot of drinks.
4: And I want to see my wife. Yeah, later. I'll call, Molly. Right now, you... Got to get a little sleep. Go ahead,
3: man. Come on, Bill. Let's leave.
6: All right. All right. If it's in order, go ahead. Ah, There. You'll be okay in a few hours. I am okay now. Sure, sure. We'll leave
3: you here, Bill. It's all right if Bill sleeps in here, isn't it, Colonel?
6: Sure, sure.
4: But when you wake up, I'll have Molly here, and we'll have that drink together. Yeah. Well, maybe she'll believe me.
6: Maybe you'll believe me then, Hank. You'd better... Come on, Major.
4: He'll be okay by himself, Major. Well, he's been under a
3: strain, but he'll sleep for quite a spell. I see.
4: Well, we better get some sleep, too.
3: Right. Don't worry, Colonel. He's a strong boy. Best nerves I've seen in a long time. I'd say things will be all right. Delusions like Bill's latched on Well, delusions like this...
4: Major. Yes, Colonel. Major, when you make your charts out for Bill and diagnose him and treat him and do all the things that you have to, when you do that, Major, consider this. Yeah? How did he keep that plane in the air for ten hours, for ten hours, Major, when he had fuel to last him only ten minutes?
1: Suspense. In which Mr. Frank Lovejoy starred in William N. Robson's production of The Outer Limit by Graham Doerr. Listen. Listen again next week when we return with another tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. The Outer Limit was adapted for radio by David Friedkin and Mort Fine. Supporting Mr. Lovejoy were Stacy Harris, Barney Phillips, Jack Crucian, Larry Thor... Sam Pierce, Jay Novello, Hans Conried, and Joe Kearns. The musical score was written by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Sound patterns by Tom Hanley and Bill James.
9: This is the CBS Radio Network.
0: just listened to The Outer Limit, from Suspense, as originally aired on March 17, 1957. Our next story is No Contact, from Dimension X, April 29, 1959. This production stars Wendell Holmes, a respected voice of the golden age of radio. He acted in a long list of radio programs and appeared over 30 times on Dimension X and its successor program, X-1. He also made numerous television appearances, as both a guest star and a series regular, on shows like Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Perry Mason, Zorro, and Leave it to Beaver. No Contact is a story of deep space exploration, with a crew headed towards sudden destruction. As mankind has expanded its space travel capabilities, they have discovered an impenetrable barrier that limits further expeditions. Five spacecraft have attempted to cross the barrier and perished. The sixth mission has hopes to be the first to succeed, but the crew of the Star Cloud find penetrating the barrier is only the first of their trials. And now, no contact, as heard on Dimension X in April of 1950.
12: Adventures in Time and Space Told in Future
7: Tense Dimension X.
12: Can you predict what will come in one hundred years, or in ten, or in the next minute? Can you see beyond the known dimensions of time and space into the unknown? It was in the year of 1982 that spacemen first discovered the Great Galactic Barrier. In the past ten years, rocket travel to the moon and the mirror planets had become commonplace. And then men fixed their sights on a more distant star, the remote planet known as Volta. Five exploratory ships went out, and none came back. Each in turn disappearing mysteriously at the same vanishing point. An invisible wall somewhere in the vast outer reaches that became known as the wrecker of spaceships, the Galactic Reef. And yet, the explorers refused to admit defeat. It was on June the 2nd, 1987, that the rocket Star Cloud made ready for takeoff, the sixth to attempt to crack the barrier and win through to Volta. Now hear this!
11: Condition low. One minute to blast off. Now hear this. Condition blue. One minute to blast off.
5: Bridge to nav control.
11: Navigation, call you.
5: This is Captain Thorson. Ready, Lieutenant?
11: We're ready, Captain. The course is in the integrator for takeoff at 1,200
5: hours. All right, stand by for acceleration. Bridge to engine room. Fire up your rocket chambers. Take off at exactly 1,200 hours. I'll read you off. 30 seconds. 29. 28. 27. 26. Condition Hold it. Revoke all orders. Who turned in that alarm? We've uncovered a stowaway, sir. Stowaway where? Hiding at Sick Bay. Dr. Spitson found him. Have him brought up to the bridge. Engine room, kill your rockets. Stand by.
11: Nelson, this is Colonel Harrison in ground control. What's holding you up? Trouble! What's the matter with you?
5: What's the matter with you? There's stowaway aboard. Stowaway? Yes, I thought your men were supposed to police this base. What's the stowaway, matter with you? All right, Captain, take it easy. You know what this delay can do to us, don't you? One minute late at takeoff can throw us a million miles off course. We'll have to reintegrate the whole works. Well, look, how long do you think it'll take? Don't bother me for a while. I'm busy here. Stupid idiot. Come in. Here's your stowaway, sir. Now, of court Marshal. Charlie. Ken... You use a good radio man, Skipper? Oh, I see you two have met. Met? The Skipper and me made 50 trips to the moon together. Didn't we, Captain? Charlie, if you wanted to come along, why didn't you volunteer? I did, Skipper. They turned me down. What's wrong with you? Oh, acceleration bends. They said my arteries wouldn't stand another trip. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But they're wrong, sir. I got one more good trip in me.
11: Now, listen, Captain. You know these green kids don't know the first thing about space radio operations. You put a man like me on, and I'll be getting you bedtime stories for Mars. Now, you know
5: the regulations as well as I do, Charlie. I can't take you as much as I'd like to. Colonel Harrison will murder me for this. I'm sorry, Charlie. I have put you ground. Tell you what, Charlie. I'll ask Harrison to put you on his ground radio contact. It'll seem as if you're right here with us. He won't do it, sir. he better. I'll have him busted to corporal for letting you sneak aboard. You'll be better off, Charlie. <laughs> Paulison. Yes, sir. I'm sending a man down from the bridge. Put him aground. Give him time to clear the launching platform. Yes, sir. So long, Charlie. I'm sorry.
7: Well, good luck, Skipper. I thought you were going to have him drawn and quartered.
5: If anybody else, I would have, Smitty. But Charlie, well, Charlie's kind of special. He's been with me since my first command. When we began the regular run to the moon. If he wanted to come along this time, well, it's only through loyalty to me. You know, Lewis, I didn't realize it before, but you're almost human. Navigation. Lieutenant Collier.
11: Nav control, Collier.
5: Lieutenant, how badly we fouled up. Can you recalculate the course, or shall I cancel the takeoff?
11: I've already plotted a new course on the integrator, sir. That's quick
5: work, are you sure?
11: Positive, sir.
5: All right, Collier, putting it in your hands. We'll blast off on your signal. Lewis, isn't that a lot of responsibility for a young green officer? Yeah, but if he can't do his job, I'd rather find out now than at the galactic barrier. Bridge to engine room, ready your rockets. Prepare to blast off on navigator signal. Bearing, sir. Huh? Four, three, two, zero. We've intersected the course vector. That's good work, Carter. Course corrected, sir. Ready to go into atomic overdrive anytime you say. All right, stand by. <laughs> now, hear this. Prepare, Prepare for maximum, maximum acceleration. Three. Bridge to engine room. Kill your rockets. Rockets out. Fire up number one cyclotron.
11: Number one ready.
5: Fire up number two.
11: Number two ready.
5: Engineering, withdraw your dampening rods.
11: Fishing chamber ready. Blast tubes are clear.
5: Ready. Take it on overdrive. How we doing, Collier? On course, sir. She's running hot and true. Well, my compliments, Lieutenant. This job would have done your father credit. He was the best navigation officer I ever saw. Thank you, sir. Start your gyros, put her on robot control. All right, the ship is yours, Mr. Collier. If you need me, I'll be in Dr. Smithson's office. Yes, sir. Well, I see you got it off the ground. Well, you can thank young Collier for that. Chip off the old block. Oh, you knew his father, huh? Matter of fact, I knew him very well. First-rate spaceman. Is he the one who, yeah. uh... Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he was lost in the galactic barrier on the second ship we sent out to Boulder. Lewis, uh, just what do you think this galactic barrier is? Well, your guess is as good as mine, Doc. All I know is that five ships have gone into it, and none of them have come back out. You think it's in it? Uh, how about Mestrovic's theory that it's a time warp in space, but that the ships reach it and slip into another dimension? I think that's rubbish. My theory is that the galactic barrier is nothing more than a radioactive layer of some kind. What makes you say that? Well, we know that radar signals bounce off it like they were hitting an invisible glass wall. We know it destroys our ships and our crews in some way. There's no other logical explanation. What makes you think we can get through it? Because we're ready for it. The others weren't. Tire hull is completely shielded with lead. We can crack through any radioactive cloud ever detected. Besides, we're equipped with some new UHF radio devices that should enable us to maintain radio contact with Earth. Nothing can happen. Absolutely nothing.
4: Who are you trying to
5: convince, Lewis? <laughs> Myself, I suppose. Smitty, five ships are missing, and men like Prentiss and Margitson and young Collier's father. I'm tired of seeing good men fed into that meat chopper. Then why are we going? We haven't any choice, Smitty. We're in a race, the kind of race where men and ships are expendable. Well, at least it won't be boring. I'll have to play physician morale builder and mother substitute for 112 slightly nervous men. (laughs) Your morale doesn't sound too good, Doctor. As morale officer, I can state without fear of contradiction. It's terrible. And something tells me that as we approach that galactic barrier, I'm not going to be alone. Hello, Earth. Captain Thorson of the Star Cloud calling Earth. Star Cloud to Earthbound. Can you read me?
11: Hello, Star Cloud. Hiya,
5: Captain. Charlie. Well, I see they haven't court-martialed you yet. No,
11: sir. Thanks to you.
5: Well, Charlie, it's good to hear you. You can read us the funny papers on Sunday morning. Right. How's the signal?
11: Strong. Clear the bell.
5: All right. Here's our log report for Colonel Harrison. Ready? Shoot. June 2nd, 1987. Four weeks out from Earth. Running true, no radiation, operation normal. Still making our approach to the galactic barrier.
11: That's all, Charlie. See you later. Good luck, Captain. I sure wish I was with you.
5: How's the morale, Smitty? Well, uh, the men know we're getting closer to the barrier. They're beginning to show a little tension, Lewis. How's their physical condition? Any sickness? About half the crew has come down with space blues. Badly? Oh, same as usual. Lips and hands with a bluish cast, eyes sensitive to infrared. I don't know. When I first started flying these tin cans, nobody ever heard of space blues. Well, there's a new theory that is caused by the terrific acceleration of these atomic overdrive ships. The change in gravity affects the circulation what do you think oh I think it's psychosomatic I've noticed that the same men who get space blues under tension on a ship tend to get blue coloration back on earth when they're upset I guess it's an occupational disease of space navigators you think it's just nerves then I don't know but young Collier has a bad case I think it's tension from overwork maybe he needs some vitamins Lewis, when will you realize that vitamins are not a panacea for all the troubles of mankind? Come in. Oh, Lieutenant Cullen. Sir, I understand you've relieved me from duty. Dr. Smithson says that you aren't looking very well. I'm giving you a rest. I feel perfectly able to continue, sir. Your lips are as blue as Minnetonka. I'd like to remain at my post, Captain. Don't be foolhardy, Lieutenant. I'm not being foolhardy, sir. I have a special personal reason for wanting this expedition to reach Volta. Your father? Yes, sir. You think he might still be alive? I have to find out what happened, sir. I think I understand. Very well, Collier. Report back to duty. What's the reading, Paulison? We're getting a plus-five radar bounce now. It's coming off the barrier almost as fast as we send it out. What's the interval? Three-tenths of a second. Shortening steadily. At this rate, we'll hit the wall in the next few minutes. All right, alert the crew. Sound general quarters. Now hear this. Condition red. We are now approaching the galactic barrier. All hands to stations. All radiation detectors to be fully manned. Full security will prevail until
8: further notice.
5: That is all. Paulison. Aye, sir. Radar bounces up to plus six. We better try to make final contact with Earth. Spark's still trying to raise the base. Yes, sir, but he's not having much luck. There seems to be some interference. That's the radio room now. Yes?
7: You've got him? Cut in the bridge speaker. The captain will take it from here.
5: Hello. Star cloud to Earthbound. Can you hear me, Earth?
11: Hello, Skipper? I can barely hear We're getting heavy static from sunspots. That's not
5: sunspots. We're right on top of the galactic barrier. Stick with us, Charlie. We're switching to the automatic sender now so you can track us in. Okay. If we crack the barrier and come through still in one piece, I'll try to get back to you on the high frequency band. Gotcha, Skipper.
11: Don't worry. I'll be waiting.
5: So long, Charlie. So long, Star Cloud. We must be getting awfully close now, Captain. The echo's bouncing back so fast it's almost beating the signal. When they coincide, hold under your hat. That's when we run into the wall. Any second. Hold on. Well, here goes nothing. Here it comes. Captain? Why? Why, nothing happened? We made it. We made it, Captain. No radiation, no time warp, no nothing.
11: Hey! <laughs>
5: the crew's gone crazy, sir. Let them. They earned it. Say, Doc, Doc, can you break out a few bottles of snake bike serum for medicinal purposes? I sure can, This calls for a celebration. How's your morale now? Couldn't eh? be better. How's yours? Condition red. Radiation
11: detected. Condition red. Radiation detected. Good. Holy mackerel. Look at the needle on that
5: indicator. Paulison, Paulison. I see it, Captain. We're picking radiation like crazy. What's it like? It's a strong wave. What kind is it? I don't know. It's too long for a cosmic ray and too short for UHF. All right, track it down. Triangulate it. Make it fast. I want a directional fix. Yes, sir. Engine room. Yes, sir. We're picking up radioactivity. Is it the fission chambers? No leaks, sir. Check your gauges.
11: Nothing here, Captain. Must
5: be coming from outside. Damage control. Yes, sir. Is our lead shield leaking radiation?
11: Haven't found anything yet, sir.
5: All right, keep at it. Paulison, how are you doing? I've got a fix, Captain. what is it? I'll have to recheck my figures. Well, hurry up. The angle is correct, but I don't... Come on, man, for Pete's sake. It's right, sir. What's right? Speak up. Where's the radiation coming from? It's coming from inside the ship. That's impossible. No, sir, I've checked it twice. Well, then, there's only one thing left to do. Paulison, get a Geiger counter. We're going to start combing the ship inch by inch. Ready, sir. All right, turn it on now. Yes, sir. We'll check the atomic guns first. Cut through the officers' quarters to ordinance. Come on. Wait a minute, sir. What is, the signal's weaker now. Let's go back. Hold it. Seems strongest right about here. It doesn't make sense. Whose cabin, sir? Lieutenant Collier's. Collier? It's probably down in nav control, sir. Try the door. That's oh, not locked, sir. It's in here, all right. Listen to that counter. Strongest over here. Open that wall cabinet. It's locked. Smash it. All right, shut off the Geiger counter. What do you make of this, Pollinson? It looks like some sort of portable transmitter, sir. Must be foreign manufacture. I don't recognize the calibration symbols at all. Never seen anything like it. Which raises a small question. What is Lieutenant Collier doing with a transmitter in his cabinet? I don't know, sir. Well, I intend to find out, Paulison. Get down to Nav Control. Bring Collier up to the bridge. On the double. Well, hadn't we better find some way to shut this thing off first? I know a way. <laughs> Lieutenant Collier, I'm going to ask a few simple questions, and I want a few simple answers. Yes, sir. What were you doing with the transmitter in your cabin? Transmitter, Captain? You know nothing about it? No, sir, I don't. Do you recognize these calibration symbols? No, sir. Can you think of how it might have been placed in your cabin without your knowing it? No, sir, unless someone came in while I was on duty. Would that have been possible? Why, uh, I suppose if uh, if someone had a key, i, I... found your cabin door unlocked. Well, I meant a key to the wall cabinet. I didn't say the wall cabinet. Well, well, sir, I... You what, Lieutenant? How could you have known it was in the wall cabinet? I just assumed. Lieutenant Carlier, I find it hard to believe you would lie... ...having known and respected your father... ...and having observed the way you handled your job. However, I intend to get to the root of this thing. May I have your wristwatch, Lieutenant? Sir? Your wristwatch. Yes, sir. Hollison, turn on that Geiger counter. Yes, sir. Hold this watch next to it. Yes, sir. That's all. Lieutenant, if you hadn't any close contact with that transmitter... How do you explain the radioactivity of this watch? I don't, sir. I think you'd better. To whom are you sending those signals?
11: Condition red. Condition red.
5: There's your answer, Captain. What, what is it, Collier?
11: Alien spaceship approaching. Alien spaceship
5: approaching. Sound battle stations. Collier, who's aboard that ship? All right, now talk, man. Very well, Captain. My mission seems complete. Your mission? Are you admitting that you're an agent of a foreign power? I am stating it. What nation? No nation, Captain. What? I'm an agent of the Voltan government. The what? The government of the planet of Volta. You're crazy. Are you so stupid that you think your people are the only ones who can invade another planet? What do you mean? We've had agents operating on Earth since 1945. I don't believe you. What do you think happened to those five ships, Captain? Where do you suppose we got our information, your language, your culture, family background? But your appearance, you look like, Commander Collier. Is that so surprising, Captain? We had a living model. I ought to kill you. That would be very foolish. I would advise you to surrender without delay. Alien ship, coming in ordnance range. I'll deal with you later, Collier. Follison, sir. Put this man in irons. Take him away. No worry, sir. We'll take good care of him. Armada, hey. Robinson. Gunnery. Gunnery, Richardson. What's the range?
11: 10,000 meters. They're closing fast.
5: Put your guns on radar tracking. Tracking.
11: Coming on a burn.
5: Fire. Fire. Richardson, you hear me? Fire. What's the matter down there? Did you hear me? Richardson, answer me. It's no use to shout, Captain. Collier. Yes, Captain. How'd you get loose? Where's Pollison? Lieutenant Pollison is dead. All stations. Lieutenant Collier has escaped. Seize him, man. Don't waste your breath. Your men can't hear you, Captain. What? Those still alive are my men. You're lying. No, Captain. Every ship that has ever left Earth was controlled by a Voltan crew. That's impossible. Those were hand-picked men. Hand-picked by us. I don't believe you. Then why not call for help?
11: Carpenter, Carpenter, Robinson, Robinson, Haley, Haley, report. Report. Carpenter,
5: Carpenter, Robinson. You see, Captain, it is quite useless. I would advise you to sit very quietly and do nothing. It isn't possible. They can't all be dead. Smitty! Dr. Smithson! Smitty! Smitty, what have they done to you? Lewis, I... Oh, those dirty. Uh, don't don't talk, Smitty. In there closer. Not much don't time. Lewis. Space blues. Space blues, what is it, Smitty? Uh, what are you trying to tell me? All men with space blues. Voltan. Here, let me help you, Smith. No, Lewis. Get message back to Earth. Voltan, fifth column. Watch out for space blues. Uh, Smithy. Smithy! Hello? Hello, star cloud calling earthbound. Please, God, let me get through before it's too late. Hello, star cloud to earthbound. Come in, please. Come in, please. Hello, star cloud to earthbound. Captain Borson calling.
11: Charlie, come in, please. Hurry. Hello? Hello, can you hear me, Charlie? Skipper, is that you?
5: Coming in a little louder now,
11: Skip. Keep sending... Colonel. Had any luck?
12: Uh, No, sir. No contact. No contact? No, sir. Hmm. Nearly an hour since they hit the galactic barrier. I don't understand why they haven't tried to get back a message. No, sir. Neither do I. All right. I'll take over for a while. Yes, sir. Go right ahead, sir. You'd better go out and get yourself some coffee. Jelly, you look a little blue around the gills.
7: You have just heard No Contact, an adventure in time, space, and the unknown.
12: Dimension... Next week, we have a nice, blood-curdling little story that starts with these two sentences. The last man alive on Earth sat alone in a room. And then, there was a knock on the door, which raises the question, what knocked on the door? Left to its own devices, the human mind supplies a vaguely horrible answer. But it wasn't so horrible. Really. You'll see next week when we present Knock.
7: Tonight, Dimension X has presented No Contact, an original story written by George Lefferts in the storyline by Lefferts and Ernest Canoy. Featured in the cast were Wendell Holmes as Captain Thorson, Lawson Zerby as Lieutenant Collier, and John McGovern as Dr. Smithson. Your host was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman. Engineer Bill Chambers. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Edward King. Tomorrow, hear Sam Spade. Now, it's Truth or Consequences on NBC.
0: That will wrap up this Friday episode of The Twilight Beacon, featuring two classic science fiction tales of space exploration from the 1950s. You heard The Outer Limit from the March 17, 1957 airing of Suspense, and No Contact, as broadcast on Dimension X, April 19, 1950. The next episode of The Twilight Beacon will be the last of this October run and you'll not want to miss this special Halloween episode on Sunday, October 31st, with legendary authors and voices like Edgar Allan Poe, Ray Bradbury, Vincent Price, and Orson Welles. Until then, this is Jedediah D. Blackwell saying good night, everyone, and good luck getting to sleep.
11: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Twilight Beacon podcast. New episodes are released on thetwilightbeacon.com Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays during the month of October and can be found on your favorite podcast apps and streaming services. The Twilight Beacon podcast is produced and edited by Jason and Jacob Burgess. Music by Alexander Nakarada. Special thanks to the Old Time Radio Researchers Group and OTRR.com. Visit thetwilightbeacon.com for archived episodes and the schedule of upcoming shows. You can follow The Twilight Beacon on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest program updates.